Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. Two weeks ago, we looked at awakening hearts. It's the, the core, the heart of who we are, our inmost being, being called awake by Christ and called awake for a very specific purpose. And our specific application of the Great Commission here at St. Luke's is awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. Last week we learned about every generation, that every generation is loved by God, that every generation has a part to play in this great commission, and that we have this generational legacy, that there have been people, men and women in our past, who have built us up in our faith, and that we are to be intentional with thinking about who are we discipling in their walk with Christ as well. And that leads us to today's message, the power of life in Christ. And before we talk about the power of life that we have in Christ, I think it's important to recognize and realize that there have been some times in our lives where we've felt powerless, where things that were happening in our life that we had no control over. The storm that's approaching in the Caribbean right now, we have zero control over. The events that happen, sicknesses, cancer, disease, death, loss. These are things that we can do nothing about. We are powerless. And in these powerless type moments, it's important, it's incredibly important to remember that we have a God who has tremendous power over all. And this is the power of life in Christ. This word power comes from our, we derive our English word dynamite. This is the dynamite power of God. And it's interesting to me how Paul teaches that this power of God has the cap capability of changing us, of renewing our minds and transforming our lives. That this birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension, and promised return of Jesus is our identity, it's our purpose, it's our eternal destination, and it transforms all that we think, say, and do to bring joy and intentionality, intentionality into the relationships that we have with God and with each other. But this dynamite power of God is not a power of glory but a power of the cross. Like God's first and foremost power is expressed in his great sacrificial love for us to show his mercy. Listen to how Paul starts this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. By the mercies of God. You see, the first element of God's power that we come into into face-to-face -face contact with is his power to be merciful to us the power of life in Christ is always the theology of the cross that's followed by the resurrection not of worldly glory but of sacrifice and salvation Paul teaches in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The power of the gospel is mercy. That God, 
does not treat us as we deserve. In fact, he gathers in those who are poor in spirit, hearts awakened, fully aware of their fallen and broken nature. And in his mercy, he treats us as we do not deserve. His mercy provides a life of freedom, a freedom to live transformed lives. And so if there is a progression in life transformation, it absolutely, positively does not start with us, but it starts with his mercy and his power to show mercy into our lives. Think about this morning. When have you seen the power of God's mercy in your life? For me, there's too many times to count. The positions that he's put me in, the the things that he's saved me from, every time I experience confession and absolution, every time I come to the rail and receive the Lord's body and blood, I receive his mercy fresh and new. The mercy of God. Now, once we we experience this mercy of God, Paul then tells us that there is this process of of renewing our minds. Verse 2, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, Romans 12, 2 is one of my personal all-time favorite verses. I love the transformative power of God to work in our lives by the renewing of our minds. We allow God to reshape our minds, how we think about things, how we view things from our past, how we see things in our present, as a part of the will of God, that even if we don't understand the whys or the reasons that we can know and trust that God is good and his will for our lives is good and that he works all things to the good of those who love him. I believe that. How we think about our enemies changes. What we choose to focus our minds on changes. We, We develop this humble mind that focuses on the will of God. This humble mind. Now, humility is... Is, as, as he says, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought. You see, Paul, he was the cream of the crop, the best of the best, until he came face to face with the resurrected Lord. And then, he counted all of his trophies, all of his awards, all of his accomplishments, he considered them trash and rubbish compared to the goodness of Jesus. Now, if humility is also not thinking about yourself more highly than you ought, it's also not thinking about yourself more lowly than you ought. That even the the proud is redeemed by Jesus. Even the, the lowly are raised up in him. Now, a renewed mind knows what the will of God is. To discern the will of God, and here it is, this is the will of God, that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That is the will of God. That is his good, acceptable, and perfect will. And so we can ask ourselves on a regular basis, we can test the decisions that we make according to the will of God by asking how is my life contributing to the building up of the kingdom of God, the world put right? Will this this decision that I am wrestling through impact the kingdom of God? Now, this power of God to to show mercy and this power of God to renew our minds, 
has the power to transform our lives. Again, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. Now, it's difficult to, to read this into the English, and so the Greek gives us a little bit more insight that, the, that this, this, this imperative that he's giving to not be conformed and be transformed, this, these two imperatives are plural in nature. So it's not just you be transformed. It's all y'all together. Do not be conformed. And all y'all be transformed. This is a body situation, not an individual member conversation. This is everyone, included in the body of Christ, don't be pressed in and conformed by the world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind from the inside out. Do not be conformed. See, conforming happens when you have outside external pressures and forces compressing you, conforming you into the shape that the outside forces desire you to be. It is so easy to let this world conform us to its patterns. It's so easy because when you allow yourself to, to conform to everything else that's going on around you, then there's less persecution, there's less resistance. It's easier when you don't stick out. And this world loves confirmation. Now see, the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, working difficultly and, 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 and strenuously to transform our lives, but, but sometimes we resist that. We rebel against it and we fall prey to the conformation of the world and it happens in every age in every generation right babies and young children well they're just the center of the world everything revolves around them teens aren't much different as they struggle for social acceptance as adults we have the pursuit of of recognition a stable marriage a good family financial stability for me personally a little insight into my own heart where I am tempted to conform to the patterns of this world is I am a people pleaser. I desire the approval of others. And this leads me to make decisions in such a way sometimes to impress other people or to, to, to make their opinion of me more positive. But I am so incredibly grateful for my wife who constantly reminds me of Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? And if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of God. It just helps remember, remember who it is that I'm seeking to please. You see, for all of us, regardless of how we are conformed by this world, it's the attraction to this world that leads the rebellious human heart to reject the transformation by the renewing of our minds. And our minds are instead lured away from the glory of God to the trash of this world. One of the commentators wrote this. I really love this statement. We have been introduced into the life of the world to come. What a tragedy then if we conform to the perishing world we have left. All y'all do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds you see if we do not reject him his power will transform us 
and it'll transform us uniquely as as one person as deeply uniquely as the next he gives us these gifts in a unique manner not everybody has all of these gifts and some people have different measures of each one of these but he starts with this he starts with prophecy you see we understand prophecy uh, maybe misunderstand it because we tend to limit it to just the idea of telling the future but the prophets of the old testament revealed revealed god uniquely in both word and deed prophets seek to act to influence listeners with both the law and the gospel the goal of prophecy is inspirational motivational getting people to act on the basis of the word of god paul says and some of you are gifted with service the ability to have acts of kindness that meet the needs of those around you some of you are are teachers now teaching is the art of leading others to, to to grasp the ability to learn for themselves teaching literally means to cause to learn now some of the teachers that i've had in my past were just like information fire hoses that just spewed out constant amounts of information and data that i was supposed to remember and then regurgitate to a a, a test my favorite teachers were the ones who caused me to learn who introduced me to the process of, of, of learning, of how to think for myself, how to, to reason, to ration, to discover and uncover key learnings. Teaching is more than just telling. It's by showing as example as well. Simply telling somebody the gospel is not as effective as showing them. And, and Jesus modeled this for us. Before giving the disciples the great commission and telling them to go out and make disciples, he spent three years of his life teaching them what it means to be a disciple and how to disciple someone. And then Paul says, some of you are good with exhortation. Now, exhortation is kind of similar to coaching. In practice, the coach encourages and motivates players to do what they're supposed to be doing and and then gets on them when they're doing something that's wrong so that they can be corrected. Do you have a life coach that you trust that has a window into your life? Me personally, I have have several people that I rely on to, to reflect some honest truth into my life to help me when I'm off the right track to get back on. Paul says some of you are contributors, that this is not only money, but time and and talent as well. That generosity comes from the realization that all we have, we have because God has first given to us. And then he said some of you are leaders with zeal. Now zeal is, is very attractive for me personally. A leader whose conviction regarding the content of what they're sharing, and when they're excited and passionate about it, then I get excited and passionate about it. But somebody who is, who is speaking about God's word who is just monotonous and not very excited, neither am I. But to lead with zeal. And, and I'm not just talking about somebody who is, who is proud and confident, but somebody who is confident in what God has done and continues to do in his promises. Not just an empty fluff of, of powerful emotion, but someone with that firm conviction and that urgency of the gospel to go out and accomplish the things that God has set for us to do. Now in that, there is this balance that must be found for zealous leaders. 
because it's very, very easy to cross the line. The distance is very short from having a, a confidence in God to having a confidence in who God has made you to be as a gifted person. That we start to take on pride for the, the gifts that we have rather than to recognize that God is the one who has given them. And Paul says, some of you are great at acts of mercy. Just like God's mercy to us, not judging whether or not someone deserves a blessing, but giving those blessings despite the deserving. Not treating evil people as they deserve. Loving first, as our school theme this year says. And to do these things cheerfully. Well, to do things cheerfully, to do any of these things cheerfully, I believe is a superpower. Right? That's not something that is in and of ourselves, but some people just have this supernatural power to be cheerful. And it's a great thing. Now, these are all things that are uniquely given. Each one of us has different measures of each one of these. They are all unique. But then Paul makes this transition. Once your lives are, are, are changed, once you have been, your mind renewed, your life transformed, you have these individual unique giftings, but each and every one of you, all y'all, need to have all of these next traits. These next traits we don't have as individuals, we, we have collectively together, and each one of them, each one of us is to possess all of these. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. We won't look and sound the same, but it is Christ who makes us one. And as Christ makes us one, he gives us his traits. And he says this, the first one is genuine love. This is the agape kind of love, the sacrificial, passionate type of love that God has for us. A genuine love that is transparent and transformative. It's transparent because it is open and reveals all things. It's transformative because it doesn't leave us where we are, but it transforms us into something new. He says we are all also to abhor evil. Anything that contradicts God and his word, we're to regard it with disgust. And he says we are to love one another. And this is a different kind of love, not the agape love, but the, the filio, the, the, the brotherly love that we are to have with one another. And this is a part of honoring one another instead. And he also says, go outdo one another in honoring one another. And this is a unique thing to our culture. At least I can say this about guys, because I'm, I'm, I'm with guys a whole lot more than I'm with women. But, but guys, we have a tendency of teasing one another, putting one another down, making fun of one another so that we feel better about ourselves. And that's the exact opposite of what Paul is teaching here. He says, instead, I want you to point the spotlight on other people's gifts and talents and abilities and celebrate what God is doing through other people and outdo one another in doing this. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And he just keeps going because he's Paul. Rejoice. That's funny, by the way. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, bless those who persecute you, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony, do not be haughty, never wise in your own sight, repay no one evil for evil, live peacefully with all, live never avenge yourself, but leave that to the wrath of God, do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that is a long list of things that we are all supposed to do, and if you are anything like me, you tuned out like 10 of them ago. But these are the things that we're all supposed to do, living a transformed life. And that just shows to me so many examples in my own life where I've fallen short, that I'm in desperate need of a savior. 
But the more this to-do list continues to grow, or at least the way that I see it as a to-do list, makes it more and more impossible to accomplish. But it's not a to-do list. It's a to-done list. Because God has already accomplished that in us and is transforming us even now. It is him who is at work in us accomplishing these things. And it's continual. It's not just something that is one and done, that, that once God renews our minds, transforms our lives, the switch goes on, we've reached the Pentecost epiphany kind of moment, and life is changed and different, until it's not. And we need constant change and constant growth and constant transformation, that this is something that every morning when we remember our baptisms, we remember we are forgiven sons and daughters of God Most High, that we have been transformed to live today differently than we lived yesterday, to let this gradual, continual transformation be every single day of your life. That's the sanctification process of being a disciple, right? Jesus declares each and every one of you, all y'all, to be sanctified, set apart, holy, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, invest in you every single day to grow you into the person he's already declared you to be. So here's the challenge I have for you. For all y'all, go home today and reread Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. And as you go through the list of things that I hurriedly ran through this morning, I'd like you, each person in your family, to tell every other person in your family what they see God already doing well in your life with. But I see you being zealous for the Lord, or I see you being incredibly merciful to others. And then once you've gone around and everybody has shared one thing about everybody else in your family, then I want you to go around two. I want you to say, this is where I think God is growing me. Or this is where I would really like to grow more with this particular aspect of the transformation and the transformed life that God is leading me through. Can you do that for me? Can you do that for me? I would appreciate it. And as you do that, may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.